ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Drew Sweeney scored more points as a holder than Drake May did as a passer. Dabo's off Mac Brown's Christmas card list. Clemson is 11-2 and and ACC champs. Life is good. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Cody. We are the Clemson Podcast, and this is our 2022 ACC Championship Game Recap episode. We are recording this a little bit late in the week. It's Wednesday. Season's pretty much over. Bowl season's starting. We're taking it easy here, Cody. Um, but great to get this win. Really fun game. I think... I think the team needed that. I think the coaching staff needed that, but we as fans also needed a game like that. What are your initial reactions? Yeah, I think you hit on it. It was, uh, we needed the spark of energy. I felt like it, it permeated the fan base. It kind of felt like, Hey, I guess all hope, I guess part, part of the reason we had, had gotten so down, it wasn't just losing to South Carolina and, and kind of finishing the season, um, on a, and Notre Dame finishing the season on kind of a sour note. It was that we kind of lost hope, I think. And it's amazing, like, what kind of a galvanizing force hope is. And uh, I think just, you know, it, just what ha- having Cade Klubnik in there, I think it just kind of breathed, uh, you know, some fresh air and some fresh light into the, the program. And even the defense, I think it kind of rubbed off on them as well. I agree. I think we'll get into sort of like both sides of the ball, what we saw, how this game played out. But, um, you know, you, I think you said it was like a spark that Cade provided. I think both sides of the ball looked a little bit lackadaisical at the beginning um, when DJ went in there for a couple of different series. Uh, North Carolina scored. You know, I think we were worried like, oh man, can this offense that just did what it did against South Carolina come back from like a 14 point deficit or is this going to be a really long, annoying night? And um, I think you're right. A spark is really what, what Cade brought. And you could just see energy level of the team, you know, the sideline, the body language, probably even the coaches too. Uh, just really feeling Cade and, you know, he, he definitely brought it and, you know, we'll get into the kind of implications of this and how much we should look into this performance considering the opponent, not only the opponent, but also like what they've looked like down the stretch of the season and some guys that are missing in the defense, but we're not here to put a wet blanket on this victory just yet. Um, it was a lot of fun. And if you kind of take a, a step back, Cody, I think it was really important to get this win as, you know, as a Clemson program, you know, this is Dabo's eighth ACC title. Um, if we, if we kind of give this one away, you know, we've got some potential turnover this off season, Florida state's on the rise um, divisions are gone in the ACC. So, you know, no longer can you get an advantage by like coming away with a win against NC state. Like they could come back and face you again, if they're a good team. So um, we should not take any ACC title for granted as Clemson fans eighth in the Dabo era. It's a pretty big deal. Agreed. It's, you know, there was a time when ACC championships, I mean, my first uh, or my last year at Clemson was the uh, CJ Spillers senior year. We almost won that one. And it was, it just felt like, ah, oh, we're so close. 
to doing something so you know important and i remember how how uh sad everyone was walking out of out of the clemson bar tds um that mm -hmm. night so yeah now it's just something we come to expect and if we if we weren't if we were not to have won uh we'd be a little bit more upset so yeah i'm with you don't take them don't take it for granted yeah i mean the big the big headline in this game is obviously Kay Klubnik. And, you know, we typically start off these recap shows with offense, then we talk defense, then we talk, you know, special teams and what it all means. You know, we're not necessarily here. I don't think folks are tuning in at this point to get like the quarter by quarter, blow by blow of this game. Um, but really it was the Cade show, you know, club level came in, um, DJ started out really not, really not looking that capable. And, um, you know, part of it could be, he was reading the writing on the wall. He knew the coaching staff. I mean, Possibly in practice this week, Cade was getting first team snaps. Um, I'm pretty sure that was happening. And um, I think with DJ, I mean, we can unpack this quite a bit here, but um, he's been prone, I think, to some sort of mental defeat, self-defeatism, Cody. And I, I think that's what we saw in those first couple, couple series. And whether he thought it was a foregone conclusion or whatever, no one's going to know. Um, but it was clear he wasn't the guy on Saturday night. Yes. And, and people talk about DJ all year, like as if he was like the static force of production. And that's couldn't be further from the truth. He was not consistent game to game. Well, he did have a somewhat of a consistent streak there from I think it was game three to game seven or game yeah, like three to seven. But even within games, uh, you would see him and, and you saw that in South Carolina game. He would go from looking like the first two drives like, oh, DJ's he's come out to play today. But by the end of the game, he was like the worst version of DJ I think I've seen, including uh, 2021, last year, DJ. So, um, yeah, he, from the onset, you could tell. And, and who knows, like, what's going on in his head? That, I don't want to try to get inside of someone's psyche, but seeing how fast he was to, to, to hit the transfer portal, I, I can't help but wonder if, like, you know, he just was ready to move on from Clemson. And, you know, and I, you know, Best of luck to him. He has every right to, and I still think there's potential there for him. I don't know if it's uh, NFL potential, but um, he's he's definitely got skill. And it, what's so crazy is like the how good he was against, let's say, like Florida State at at points uh, against Wake Forest, and then how bad he was in the fourth quarter against South Carolina. It's just night and day. Yeah, I, I think Cody coming up here, we're gonna have a little bit of downtime before the Orange Bowl game. We'll have us have a long off season. I'd um, love to get Jarrett back on the show. He and I did a DJ episode this last summer, kind of talking about our expectations, how this season might play out for him, what his, you know, what the conclusions of that might look like. So I think we can we can revisit that, recap it a little bit, just looking through the DJ lens. Um, we can move on, but I'm with you. You know, wish the guy the best. I think, you know, you, you heard some of his post-game comments. Really class act. Um, guy never got down. I feel like also, you know, you saw him come in as hyped as he was. I think I was kind of looking with hesitance toward DJ coming in as like, oh, is he going to be, you know, this cocky dude? Never was that. Seemed to always be, you know, just a really solid team player and a really solid guy. So I wish him the best. I think, and we'll touch on this when we connect with Jarrett, like I think there is a world where there just wasn't, where someone can scheme around DJ's skill set and he can like plug into an offense that does you know, tailored to his specific attributes. I just don't know that that was like this offense, this playbook, this set of skill position guys, and even like our offensive line and like our run game. So um, whatever it is, 
you know, we wish him well. He's gone. It's the Kate era. Um, Club Nick, Cody had, um, he went 20 for 24. And I think all four of those balls ended up being like drops or pass breakups. Um, not really like off the mark at all. Like he was just really laser focused. I forget how many consecutively he had there. Um, but it was good. It was like the kid can't miss. He was obviously scrambling a little bit too. He led the team in rushing yards. Um, so just an all out incredible performance from him. Um, I don't know, like any kind of highlights in your mind from this game, like what you thought was maybe Cade's best play that gave you the most optimism moving forward. I mean, several of his passes, I mean, there were several, I mean, the Cole Turner pass stands out. Um, I, it's more like the way he, that, that he kind of was the, was the rising tide for the wide receivers. Joseph and got looked like a completely different, he actually had, had improved throughout the season and I saw a better, um, he was better this year than he had, had been any through any point in his career, but he looked really good on Saturday and hopefully he comes back. Uh, but yeah, just the way that like, you know, I've heard all year uh, gripes about the wide receivers and some of it uh, rightfully so, but it's always about like drops, 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 drops. In 2016, there were so many drops. Uh, Mike Williams even was, was dropping a lot of balls for Deshaun Watson, but like great quarterbacks just put it, you know, put it, put it away, put it out of their mind and they just go back. Yeah. And there were actually two drops for Cade and the fact that, so he, he was, uh, you know, he had four incompletions. Two of those were just drops from Antonio Williams and actually Colt Turner. He just went right back to it and completed the next pass. And you have to wonder, you know, again, with DJ, when there's a drop, I wonder how, how much that mentally undoes him. So not to talk too much about DJ. It was, everything was about Cade. But yeah, just, just the way that he, the offense moved, um, highlight more of a broad level or a broader highlight is just uh, first down efficiency. I know this, defense wasn't good. All the caveats, not a good defense, but they were, they were racking up. I, I don't know the average of it. I believe it was like seven or eight yards on first down. Like how, <laughs> you know what I mean? We haven't been able to do that all year. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the gripes of play calling have been predictable run plays uh, with, with, uh, with Cade, everything was there. And w- when an offense can get that much production on first down, it's, it, it all goes to efficiency ratings it, They are, that That's national championship level. Good. Hundred percent, and um, you pair that with a really solid defense that Clemson does have and did show on Saturday night. I mean, I think that's the point. Is if you want to go ahead and caveat the UNC defense and kind of rein in a little bit the hype for the Clemson offense, um, UNC has an amazing offense, and they maybe haven't shown it as much the last couple of weeks coming into this game. Uh, but we, Clemson, certainly held Drake May under their thumb in this game. No touchdown passes, two picks. Um, he did scramble a little bit in this game running for his life, but, um, anyway, I think like a really solid defense, you could pair that with, you know, I think the whole offense looked rejuvenated Cody and I, you got to attribute that to Kate here. Um, if the play calling feels like it'd be, it can be a little bit more bold with him versus like simplifying it, you know, for DJ's reads, that kind of thing, then, you know, what does that mean overall? Yeah. And that, that, well, and I should say that first first down production allows you to be a little bold too. It affords you a, a more of a risk on second down that again, when you're con- when you're constantly getting two yards or, or no, no gain on first down, it, it puts you behind the chains and then you have to rely on DJ to be a hero. Um, and I, you know, I, it's going to be so interesting against Tennessee to see if we can get similar first down production. I think of course, Kate is more of a running threat. So um, just that, that fact. A different alone. one. Yeah. He's a running threat. I mean, 
I'm not just talking about the speed factor. I mean, speed lends him to being a running threat that'll move outside. Like he'll, he'll stretch a defense outside with his legs. And, and that's something we haven't seen with DJ. Exactly. Yeah. And that may, obviously it opens things up on the perimeter and it opens things up for the running backs. And you saw that a little bit on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in this one, Cody, Mac Brown had some comments after the game about how they were anticipating Will Shipley to get the ball 30 times in this game. And that's really, they actually did not anticipate the Clemson coaching staff going to Cade. So I don't know what that says. Like, is that a, should we be like patting Dabo and Brandon Streeter on the back? Or does it say more that Mac Brown didn't even think that they could possibly make this change, you know, kind of speaking to you how, uh, how they didn't make the change earlier in the season. Um, either way though, you know, kudos to them for making the right call at the right time, obviously played out well. Um, I'm going to time box this next question, Cody, to like a three minute dialogue between you and me. I'll do my best. Okay. Whatever. You know, it's not like we could put a long tail on this kite, but how many more games does Clemson win this year if they make the move to Cade? And, you know, if, if you're going to say they should have done it, would you have done it at all before halftime of the South Carolina game this year? Yeah, it's the the fatal flaw. And I, by the way, you get all kinds of takes on the, online. Uh, the, everyone, everyone has a take now. I mean, we have a podcast, so a, any dummy can have a take, <laughs> including us. Um, a lot of people were mad and, you know, it cost us a season. It cost us the playoff. I don't, I don't have that sentiment. I'm glad they got it right. I, I, I don't, I don't fault Dabo for his loyalty. And as I, as I discussed earlier, like there were times when DJ was a really good quarterback and he just within a single game, he could fall on his face and be the worst quarterback in, in college football. He, he could be that bad at times. So um, how many more games do we win? The, the, the fatal flaw, he should have been taken out at some point in the second half of the South Carolina game, and I think that would have been sufficient for us winning. Whether or not we, went, we make the playoff from that point on, I, I, don't, I don't care. Um, but, yeah, at least one more game. We didn't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, at least one more game, Tully. And if, if Cade's the quarterback the whole way, shit, maybe we trade off a game and lose one. I, I, I have a hard time believing that at this point, though. I think... I think the offense is more robust yeah. and, and Streeter, that guy that uh, he would have figured out a way to win. Like uh, working around Kate's skill set. Yep. Want to get to Streeter here in a minute. Um, yeah. No, I think, I think you make good points. I think what, where I land on it is like, I think there might've been, there would have been several, like a lot more growing pains. Like I think DJ's floor throughout the bulk of the season was much higher than I think where Kate was from a floor perspective. And, um, you know, he showed it even during like coming in against Furman, coming in um, for a couple series, uh, forget the opponent at this point, but really didn't show, you know, that he was that lighting in a bottle guy that was like that we saw in that series at the end of the Georgia Tech game or certainly in this North Carolina game. Um, the one thing I think I would have changed, Cody, from the coaching staff perspective, other than like a South Carolina swap out, which was felt very similar to Syracuse, like. Once DJ was done, we needed to make that change. Um, so that would be my first change. But I think the other one would just have been, you know, take take what you can after that Notre Dame loss. Get Kate as many snaps as possible um, against Louisville, against Miami. Those games were in hand for the most part. Um, I think it would have been fine. To, you know, at that point, like, I think the playoff was already pretty much shot. You know, get Kate a lot more snaps so that we could get that development, um, yeah. you know, improved because you know people kept talking about oh if he's not showing the coaches 
in practice, you know, that he's the number one guy on the team. I mean, you, you kind of do need to see it in a game environment too. Yeah. I think in fairness to Dabo, in hindsight, hundred percent, I wish that's exactly what they would have done after the Notre Dame game. But in fairness to Dabo, I think he, he legitimately thought DJ was the best option to win, to get us to the playoff and to potentially win a championship or at least win a playoff game. And I think most Clemson fans would have probably agreed with him at the conclusion of the Notre Dame game. Cause he actually finished the game playing pretty well. Yeah. And, well, we said it at yeah. the time, Cody, I mean, you were there, I was there, Ben was there. Like uh, DJ didn't, he's, we, the coaches said this about the South Carolina game, which I kind of disagree with, but DJ did not lose this, the Notre Dame game. I think it was like a lack of an offense top to bottom. It makes and you wonder though, ball. like whenever you have a leader, who's like a true leader, sorry, like DJ has, like you, you mentioned it, he is an upstanding guy in a lot of ways. A true leader, like an alpha male. Sorry, it's people don't like to hear about that toxic masculinity. But in football, amongst men, sometimes it's good to have guys that are true leaders. And it just seems that Kate is is that. And that alone, even if he doesn't isn't as talented, can be the galvanizing force. And it, again, that's why I think it kind of uh, permeated into the the defense as well. Yeah. So you're saying, I guess my point is, DJ himself, his play, perhaps did not you know, cost us the Notre Dame game, but maybe like right. he did not elevate the team, galvanize the team behind him, put the team on his back, go lead him to victory, like stem the bleeding, all that. That didn't happen. Agreed. And yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about Streeter. So I, I want to kind of maybe eat crow. I'm not sure, you know, the right way to put it coming into this game, exiting South Carolina. Like I was, I was right there with, you know, my pitchfork and my torch um, talking about, look, the experiment is over. Streeter's been on the staff several years. Like he had his shot. He's a quarterback coach. Why can't he get Kate Klubnik up to speed? You know, couldn't develop DJ. Like this offense is lackluster. Like what's going on here? Um, time to replace him, time to bring in new ideas, like all this stuff. Um, I mean, I wasn't like screaming that from the rooftops, but definitely what I was feeling, even if I didn't say it out loud. And I've like coming off this game, I don't want to overreact too much to one game where I'm at though. Cody is like, I, I want to give Streeter and this offensive coaching staff, like another year to have a proof of concept and, you know, another year with a rejuvenation at quarterback. Um, that position is so critical. You know, we've, we are spoiled as Clemson fans. We've seen it time and again here. What a elite leader of a quarterback can do for your entire football team. Um, we may have that. We may may have that twice over with Chris Vizina coming in. I, I'm willing to stay the course with Streeter, you know, and I'll, let's see how we do against Tennessee coming up here. But um, I don't know. I th I think like I do want to be conscious of us making like too many rash decisions, you know, with the coaching staff. I do think there are spots on this coaching staff where Clemson could potentially make some changes, bring in some new outside ideas. And there's ways you can do that without like hiring. I mean, maybe we hire a co-OC to come in with Streeter, you know, to, to help him, you know, with offensive design. I know Kyle Richardson was that guy. Um, we don't know the influence that he's had on this, on this offense either. So I'm open to, you know, different changes happening. I'm not saying like, let's lock everyone in and come roll them all back. Um, I just think like Streeter as an offensive coordinator and as a kind of play caller and designer, I'm willing to kind of run it back with him. I think the only thing that I would say is like, 
it'd be nice to see him start to take a little bit more accountability for like when things go wrong, you know, kind of attributing some of that. But I think he was also yeah. defending his guy, DJ. So what do you think? Yeah. Um, it Well, it's complicated, right? Like, I think, I think it goes back to hope a little bit up, up until Cade came in against North Carolina. I don't think a lot of people had a lot of hope for the, for 2023. Like what, what it's going to be another year of what it's been, except it might even be worse. I think that's kind of what we, and we also couldn't diagnose. No one could, uh, the smartest of Clemson fans couldn't diagnose exactly how much DJ was a factor. And in any given moment, how much easier was a fact? Like, are the wide receivers really this bad? And we still don't know for sure. Uh, is the offensive line mm -hmm. like are they are they as good as they were? You know, back when Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson were were here, like, no one knew like to what extent. And we all know like kind of the the galvanizing force. I've said that multiple times that a quarterback can be. We were just we were unsure. But I will say I try to factor in that DJ is very volatile. Um, he has some highs, he has some lows, and sometimes, like, like I said, they happen in the same game. I saw a lot of creativity in the play calling. He used, he had uh, just Tony Elliott. If, if any people have forgotten, like he was the most bland, uh, lack of creativity. It was so obvious what we were going to do. Uh, if, if he didn't have a great quarterback that, you know, it, it wasn't good DJ. And, and anyhow, he, he, I think he couldn't scheme that quarterback above his talent level. I think like I, that's my read on the Tony Elliott offense. Agreed. It kind of goes back. I don't want to go down too far. This, uh, the rabbit hole, but the 2019 game, the LSU game, we had this, we had, they had a great talent. It was one of the best offenses ever, but the Delta between 2019 LSU with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, you know, they had some great players and Clemson with Trevor Lawrence, ETN and T Higgins, Justin Ross. It was too wide. Clearly there were some problems there. Now is Brandon Streeter the answer? I don't know, but he had two really good running backs and a third with Pace who was injured. He he's a lot of two running back personnel. He he had two good wider or two good tight ends, excuse me, when wide receivers weren't producing, and he'd he'd mix them in. He would move Brennan still out to wide receiver just to get edge blocking and just to give the defense a different look. And then um, someone cited on Twitter a third down uh, percentage, like we had, the, I think the third highest in the nation. Like that is hundred uh, percent on play calling, creativity, and breaking tendencies. I think that allows you to be that successful. Am I? Am I? Am, it might not be third in the nation, but I believe it's it's very high. We did we did extremely well on third down per, uh, percentage. Yeah, we're ten, tenth. Well, let's, first of all, I'm going to attribute it to uh, listener of the show, Dustin Black. Shout out to him. Thank you, Dustin. He is. Let's see at at Dustin B four two nine on Twitter. Uh, he posted in 2022 here, Clemson was third nationally in red zone scoring, Cody, and then 10th nationally in third down conversion percentage, um, but 20th in point per game. And I think, you know, his point that he was making is that um, you, you, you need good play calling to be 10th nationally in third down conversion. And you need good play calling to have that good of a red, red zone scoring percentage. Like you got to maximize your talent. You're right, Cody. Like you don't you don't do that against solid defenses every time. Um, but to be only 20th in points per game, I think Dustin's point is that was turnover led. I think you know we talked about it in the chat before this. There's other factors to this offense this year. You mentioned it, kind of simplified playbook, leading to a tough first down, second down kind of play calling situation. I think those things stall drives out more than. Um, you know, turnovers throughout the year. 
Agreed. I, I think, yeah, predictable uh, play calling on first down with runs. Uh, Furman even had our number on that where they were. And someone mentioned tip and plays. I don't know, but it, let's just say it's predictable. Uh, so like, you know, running, yeah. running the ball and getting a gap runs. I mean, it's the cost of doing business. You have to show that you're willing to put that, uh, you know, you're willing to run for the defense to open up other things. But at some point, I mean, that, that, that was a problem. Uh, but at the same time, I, you know, you have Shipley, you have two really good running backs. So I, I, you know, I kind of, I could see it both ways, but like to your point and to Dustin Black who pointed that out of how well we've done, that is the mark of good play calling. And then what we can't know for sure is like, can Streeter with, you know, with a better quarterback um, and, a, and a better leader, like, can he help transcend the offense? Can, can other position groups become the beneficiary of that? And by the way, I think our offensive line had a pretty good season. No one's talking about that, but I think they're pretty good. I think that everyone talks about 2016 and 18 as if our offensive lines were that of Bama. They never were. They, I think this offensive line's right there with them. Yeah, so, I mean, Cody, at some point we'll have to rename and come up with uh, our season awards and give, give grades out for the position groups. Um, we'll do that when we can get Ben and Jared on the show. But... Um, I'm joking about the rename part, but I, anyway, there'll be a lot of time to look back on this season, but plus one to your offensive line praise. Um, I think in this one to maybe put a bow on it, we'll move on the defense. We've got a lot of other, you know, a lot of other stuff has happened this week that I think we need to address. Um, so we'll, we'll get out of this ACC championship recap here shortly. Um, you mentioned it though, like Joseph and had a great game emergence of Cole Turner first Clemson receiver this year to go over a hundred, hundred yards. He just did 101 yards on three catches. Pretty good efficiency. I forget, Cody. I think that took us back to the Wake Forest game last year uh, um, when I think Bo Collins had just went off and had 100 yards. So it's a lot of games, a lot of, a lot of snaps for receivers to not get over 100 yards. Um, but what I wanted to maybe comment on and talk about is like you actually saw like right away in the first quarter once they made that switch, it sure felt like when they would go to the sideline throws, like these receivers were driving the corner, the safety or the linebacker away. Like it just looked like the, like the effort level that something had clicked and they had figured something out and, you know, props to them for putting in that effort. But I think that that just goes back to kind of the Kate effect. Right. And separation, they, they always talk about separation. It's like, to, it's really tough for us as fans that can't see wide receivers downfield to really call separation uh, and to what extent the quarterback recognizes separation or throws a receiver open. We have no clue, but clearly Cade was allowing his receivers to get separation or he was throwing them open. Um, some, again, it's something to do with a new quarterback. Um, and, and, you know, I, we, you know, again, the caveats of North Carolina's defense, the only thing I'll say is yes, uh, they were depleted. They, they weren't very good. The secondary was not good at all. But I mean, what's it supposed to look like? Like Trevor Lawrence played a lot of bad teams in, during his day. And it's like, what did it look like? It looked different than when Kelly Bryant was playing really bad teams in his day. And I'd say like it looked the way it's supposed to look if you're a dominating offense. Like that's that's how it should look, not the way our first two drives went. Yeah, very well said. Um, well, again, I think, you know, it was definitely Clemson, I think, outcoached North Carolina in this game. Um, great production across the board. I think rolling Cole Turner in and getting in those snaps, you know, trust your guys, you know, find your guys off the bench. They did empty the bench a little bit, Cody. I mean, we had, we had guys like Hamp Green get a catch in this game, Ty Herbstreet. Um, 
would love to have seen more balls go Adam Randall's way um, as well. Drew Sweeney had a couple of catches. He obviously also had the uh, fake PAT run in. <laughs> Just real petty move from Dabo. Love to see it. Yeah, there's like, there's no reason. I mean, I, I was sitting there thinking, oh, well, there, maybe we're getting ready. We're dialing something up for no, actually, like if we needed that in the bowl game, that we don't have it anymore. Um, so like there was no reason in doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was fun. I, I was, yeah, I was laughing at and it. Look, like, we, and we joked around coming into the game, like, let's run up the score. We need style points to impress the committee, you know, with, with Kate Klubnik is the new Clemson. We need those style points. I mean, it was never really that serious. Like 38 to 10 versus 39 to 10 makes no bearing on anything, but whatever. It was fun. Bush league. He he's pissed off. Dabo's pissed off two coaches this year. The other was, um, I believe it was Boston college where we were, we we had our first team on the field at the end of the game. And I can't remember the uh, BC's coach, but like him and Dabo were cool, but he was, he was pissed uh, at the end. It's like, hey man, I gotta get my my quarterback's confidence is waning. I gotta I gotta keep him hot, get him ready for the next game. Absolutely. Yeah. I think maybe he lost a bet to his son Drew over Thanksgiving weekend somehow. And he's like, Dad, you gotta let me run one in. And maybe he had to pay up. That's my theory. There's yeah, it it made no sense. It um yeah, if you're going for style points, you don't you get them through touchdowns, not two point conversions. Hey. I gotta yeah. say, he had Kathleen speed though on that on that run. It wasn't Dabo speed. Touche. Yeah. No, that's right. I agree. All right, Cody. Well, uh, that's enough for the offense. Great effort on the day. Thirty nine points. Um, you know, they did the job. It was awesome. Why don't we move it over to the defense? Man, Cody, turnovers, they make a huge difference. In this one, Clemson's defense forced three uh, from North Carolina. Some of those are really timely. Obviously, you have the Nate Wiggins uh, pick six. Um, awesome to see. I think that one was forced by Tyler Davis, You know, really getting after May and bothering him and being a distraction. I don't know what May was doing on that throw, but um, across the board, stellar defensive effort. I think you saw them and even saw players after the game really get a spark from that offense and bring their a game in this. Um, this one really felt like we started to see the um, j- just the promise of what this defense could be or what we were told they were going to be all season. Um, I saw that Brian Brzee had the number one player rating from um, PFF pro football focus college um, of any player playing in any championship game throughout the weekend. It was Brian Brzee um, kind of a quiet, I mean, the dude's super disruptive and hard to miss on the field. I just, it was not necessarily one of those games where he was just, you know, constantly coming up with sacks and passes deflected all that. But um, I think on a rewatch, you all will, will see what a great game that Brzee had. So, you know, across the board, you know, props to Wes Goodwin calling a good one to bottle up Drake may these players ride into the challenge going out there, getting a championship. Agreed. And, you know, I, I did a rewatch, but um just like any other Clemson fan, I only watched the offense. I was so I had to, I had to see it again, and I skipped right over the defense, and that's that's shameful. There's been many times where I've I've wanted to watch defense more than offense, especially during the Venables era. But um, yeah, you know, I was going to say the coach the coach matters uh, with that effort. But yeah, yeah, I, I agree though. The 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 defensive line showed the promise. They lived up to kind of the billing early in the year. And you've seen like shades of that throughout the year. It's strange that it hasn't been consistent, 
But um, Nate Wiggins, and now I'm just kind of you know reeling off the uh, the highlights that everyone's kind of seen. He really has gotten better throughout the year. I worry about how how big his head is going to get though if he keeps getting better and uh, what kind of celebration dances we have to look forward to next year. But uh, I'm Where joking. I'm excited. Yeah. Well. He's uh, he, he's really come along and like we've needed that. And I can also say the same for Sheridan Jones, who you don't see very much celebration from him because no one throws his way like ever, um, which is a testament to how well he's been, how, how great he's been since coming back from injury. I hope he comes back next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we will get one more game from this defense this year in, in its current configuration. Um, I think coming up here, we'll talk a little bit about the future look ahead to departures moving into next season um, but really great to you know if this is the last hurrah last run for some of these guys in um, a tiger uniform i guess we have the bowl game coming up but um, great to see these guys if it was one of their last showings on the field together um you know continue to get i you could probably say one of the top defensive guys on the team uh jeremiah trotter and barrett carter they got to be like one two in some order over the last couple months um, really stellar game from those guys. Trotter had three sacks in, in the game. Right. And, you know, one, one important thing, you know, talking about flexibility and scheme, and we know Venables had plenty of that, you know, putting Isaiah Simmons all over the, uh, the field in 2019. We had a, I guess it was referred to as a, a four, five, three. Um, or f- I, we had five, uh, four linebackers, excuse me. I guess that would be a four, four, three. Four four two, uh, I think. Four, oh, sorry, four four three. You're yeah. Right. Yep. Um, anyhow, we, we're using Way Wood as is kind of a uh, linebacker hybrid with a safety, um, just because we didn't really have a lot of safeties and we had we had some injuries and and apparently like I mean, you can see it, like you, you rarely see freshmen coming in with the instincts and and the know how at that position. So that's yeah, very. You mentioned Carter and Trotter, who are both sophomores. They're coming back. You have Wade, like that's a you know really uh, promising future for the uh, for the for the defense. In in the case that Trenton Simpson leaves, and he he most likely will. Yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah, the future's future is bright on this defense, um, just in terms of some of this skill position guys that we will have at least one more season. It looks like you know obviously anything's possible in the era of the transfer portal, um, but great to see that you know where the youth exists on the team. Again, we mentioned Tyler Davis's name before. Miles um, Murphy had kind of a, a quiet but solid game as well. Uh, so some of those guys are going to be the question mark of they've got some extra eligibility left based on the COVID season or just in general wanting to finish their degree. Um, in the case of Miles Murphy, possible those guys come back. We'll have to see. We're not really here to speculate on the reasoning why they should or shouldn't. Um, but if they're if they do want to sniff that playoff, you know, and get that like add that to their repertoire. Obviously, there's some NIL considerations to be had here, too. You know, the delta between that and a rookie contract in the NFL, depending on what round they go, might not be that huge. So um, sure would be nice to see some of these guys back. I know Rook and KJ Henry accepted Senior Bowl invites already. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be gone. I think KJ Henry might be all out of eligibility at this point, Cody, but maybe not. So um, anyway, we got to see on that front, but. Not much more I have on the defense here. Just another stellar effort. Um, hats off to Wes Goodwin again. Cool. Um, and last thing, I mean, I guess we we ought to talk about special teams. I know we talked about the uh, the hold moving into a two-point conversion, Cody. Um, only uh, the one field goal from BT Potter, but it was a 52-yarder. So the kids still got it. 
going to be playing on Sundays next year. I'm sure. Um, he's awesome. Great tiger. Uh, Aiden Swanson had three punts and then Jack Smith came in and boomed one for 47. So good to see on that front. Um, nothing really to speak of in the, in the kick return or the punt return game. We were turning them over a fair bit. Um, they did score twice on the day and, um, you know, that was about it. So, yeah, I mean, not, not much in special teams. Impl- 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 impact and implications of this, this game, Cody, the ACC championship. I did just want to comment. I mean, after this game and after this season, we're no longer going to have divisions. So um, it should really be the best two teams in the conference that play moving forward. Um, a stat that we had come up with and tweeted out, you know, a couple weeks ago is, you know, there's been all the way back to, I think it was 2005 or 2006, we had these divisions, Atlantic and Coastal. Um, in those years, I guess, let's do the math here. It would be 18 years. Clemson won nine of the Atlantic Division titles. Florida State's next with, with five. And then BC and Wake both won two apiece. And nobody else won any. So um, Wake Forest, I'm sorry, uh, NC State and Louisville. Neither of them took home a uh, division title in that time frame. I mean, it just shows the dominance Clemson has had. I think if you if we play it for the next 18 years, you kind of keep coaching staff intact in the system. That might end up being the case for ACC titles in the next 18 years where we win half of them. So, um, you know, good. I would have thought Florida State would have had more in that time frame, Cody. Yeah, I, th- I would think the same. Um, it's it, Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's dominance and, you know, it needs to be appreciated. Like when, when there's criticism of Dabo, it's not, it's not intended to be like, you know, what I can't, what I don't like is like, Hey, let me give you perspective, historical perspective of how good Clemson's been. It's like, no shit. I get it. But like, I'm just want to focus on the here and now because I'm a fan and that's what we do. And that's why we love the sport. Um, but yeah, it's good. I, I guess Cody, are you saying, I want to clarify your point. Are you what? saying like when people come to you and say, you need to appreciate this time because I was around when Tommy West and Tommy Bowden were here and, we used to lose a bunch. <laughs> you should appreciate it. Like, yeah, or or fans from other fan bases saying, you, you know, you should be happy because I, I'd be I'd love to have the success you've had. It's like, no, we are very happy. We're you know, we're going to build statues for Dabo, like we will, but we're not quite there yet. We want, you know, we want to, yeah, be in the moment really have and, to be. and keep building the legacy. We want more trophies because Dabo is that good, and like he could keep bringing them in. Yeah, exactly. It's like the opportunity cost is high, like. All the tools are there, all the, you know, the talent, the coaching, the facilities, like the resources are all there. Like we kind of should expect more at this point. And as I said on the last show, like who has been jazzing us up the most about expectations? It's Dabo himself with the best is the standard. The best is yet to come. That's right. And and by the way, I'm not, I, I think it's good. Like basically your summary of how, how well we've done winning the Atlantic is, is often as we, as we have every other year, essentially half the time. It's good to have historical perspective. It's good to zoom out every now and then. Um, but yeah, I was just saying, yeah, after we lose to South Carolina in a game that we shouldn't have lost, some, I'm not going to be as prone to zoom out. I need to, <laughs> okay. I need to, I need to, you know, I need to, that's how I, I'm going to, I'm going to mourn the loss. going to be mad for a little while. Yeah. We are not yeah. here to grump shame anybody for sure. <laughs> um, Cool. Well, let's uh, let's move on from this game. You know, great to get that 11th win. Um, play for a 12th win coming up in the Orange Bowl against Tennessee. 
Um, Cody Clemson has beaten an SEC team in every season they've played a game against the SEC going back to 2011. In 2010, you probably remember, um, we lost at Auburn to Cam and then at home against South Carolina, Steven Garcia, 29 to seven. Those were brutal losses at the time. I think we were all very optimistic coming off that 2009 season that you talked about earlier, CJ Spillers last year. Um, you know, we had Ellington. We were, you know, really optimistic about, you know, carrying on the progress and those were just two brutal losses. Um, Clemson did win a, an ACC title that game, but then we had the West Virginia game. It's also forgettable, but uh, every year since that, you know, beat Auburn in 2012, you'll notice some clips from that game in our intro on the podcast. And it's just been a beat the SEC ever since um, 2020 being the exception this year. We got to beat Tennessee to continue that streak though. We'll get our chance in Miami in the orange bowl, the really orange bowl. Um, I think Cody in this one, some of the early keys and, you know, we're not here to preview that game necessarily. Um, Tennessee kind of a rough defense, really high powered offense. They're without Hendon hooker in this game. Um, their backups really capable, a little bit of a journeyman, big arm. I don't think they're going to take too big of an offensive drop off with that guy, especially with a month to prepare for us. So I think it's going to be a really competitive game, you know, probably bet the over and I'm excited to see what, what Kate Klubnick can do against their pretty lackluster defense that the last time all of us saw them, they're getting their ass kicked by South Carolina. Yeah, I, I have a, I guess I have a very generic take. I think the, the team that wants it more, it's going to win. <laughs> I, but I'm, I know that's that's horrible. Um, but I, I think the team that actually cares, I, and I, it's it's actually a good matchup. I think both teams will take it serious, seriously. I think you know you, if you, when you when you're playing uh, Kansas, like you're just not going to get up as much as if it's Clemson or Tennessee. I think both see each other as a formidable opponent and, and a good game. But if it, to the extent we have a lot of guys that are not going to play, and I, Clemson hasn't really had this problem, we'll see how that unfolds over the next couple of weeks. But we really need a, a lot of depth on defense is all I'll say. Um, we need all the guys on the defensive line ready to you know, keep building up their draft stock um, because that, that'll, that unit, like we were talking about earlier, that unit will probably be the difference in the game. There will be a lot of pace yeah. by Tennessee. So to, to the extent we can get to their quarterback, their backup quarterback, uh, I think we should be able to win. Yeah, no, good, good call on that. And I think you're referring to like, are there opt-outs or there guys that for whatever reason don't play in this game on either side of the ball? Like that could have a big effect. Yeah. If they're playing with pace and tempo, um, you just got to hope we got the conditioning for it. I don't know that we've got necessarily the bodies in the secondary to slot in there, but you mentioned Wade Wood as getting in. Yeah. It'd be great if we need to change up the formations a bit, you know, even go three down linemen up front, um, see what that does for us. But Tennessee sure seems Cody, like they can protect their quarterback. Um, they were doing okay, I guess, against South Carolina, but um, in any event, I think it's going to be like, to your point, I think it's going to be a good game. I think they, hopefully they don't have like quite the opt-outs that other bowl games are going to have. And it's one of the more entertaining, you know, New Year's six games at least. Yeah. And I, I think Cade, just having Cade makes our team so much more exciting and Tennessee was already very exciting. Um, having watched them a few times this year. So I think it should be of the non-playoff games, probably the most, uh, watchable game i'd have to look through but yeah very a very yeah. orange orangeable indeed right cool um any thoughts from you about how the college football playoff rankings went the matchups like anything you got to say about that 
not it's it's like a who's who 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 do I not want to win? I, I really didn't pay attention to it. I I, I don't know who Ohio State jumped in the last, and I, I don't know if it was fair. They jumped not. USC basically. That was it. Like and last week, they were set up. I, I hear the argument you shouldn't get penalized for playing a game, but that's that's crap. They should have been penalized for losing in the way they lost. Uh, talking about yeah, USC, I think it's the how right? Like the how, all year, yeah. their their defense was already like somewhat lackluster propped up by a, a high turnover margin. If you lose in that, that fashion, not being able to tackle and play fundamental football, like what confidence do we have that you're going to be able to then do that against Georgia? Right. And you've already like, this is your second time losing to the same team as well. I'm sure Vegas, Vegas, yeah, so I think they got the that, same, right? like they would be favored. I, um, Ohio state would be like, more favor than USC would be facing Georgia. Like I, I think Ohio State has a right. legitimate chance to win if they play Georgia. Not a big, not a great yeah. chance, but a, but but a chance. Yeah. Well, they will get their chance. It's, that game's in Atlanta. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who has not played at all this season, he's had a lingering injury. He lit up the Rose Bowl last year. He's not going to play in this game. I think there was hope that he would come back. He's going to the draft. Uh, but still, oh. is that Ohio is that considered a surprising team? Was it was that considered surprising that he went, to that the, he opted out? Um, I understand he was. Yeah, hurt. it is. It is. A, I guess like it kind of depends. It's surprising that he wouldn't come back to play in the playoff because that could be like a showcase for him that he's like, hey, check me out, NFL teams. I'm this injury hasn't slowed me down any, but going up. I mean, he could easily get hurt against Georgia. <laughs> so, I I get it from his perspective. Like his draft stock may not fall any by opting out. Yeah. Maybe he talked to DJ and DJ's like, don't play against Georgia. It might ruin you. I mean, I do think they broke him. So yeah, you're yeah. right. Um, so who could win? Yeah, uh, then, who could beat Georgia out of the, the other three opponents then? Well, it's, Ohio State does play them. And then it's TCU, Michigan on the other side of the bracket in the Fiesta Bowl. And none of the above. I think it's Georgia, like clear path. Um and we can maybe get into this when we talk coming up, like future season roster management stuff. But um, man, I just think, I mean, it, it's very impressive for Kirby. He's just kind of taken, you know, taken over recruiting and starting to manufacture that into just a, a complete juggernaut. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I hate to say this, but uh, we won two championships. We worked really hard to, to get there. And uh, I, for them to win too, I hope they don't. But for them to win too, I'm not gonna say it undermines what we did, but it feels like that a little bit. Um, so I, I really, really hope they can't pull it out. And 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 I think the teams that we had to go through and beat in the years that we did, and and and, and, and considering we lost LSU, that was like an all time team. Like we really had a tough road ahead, and these this the last two years have been relatively weak um, compared to the the previous years. So George is capitalizing. Pretty- one one way I would say it, I agree with you on that. One way I would say it is Clemson is due an easy natty, aren't we? Yeah. Because the, the two you, we got sure were hard, and the two we lost in the title game were against all-time great teams. Yeah. The only shot that we've had at an easy natty was the first one, 2015. That would have been the easiest one, and it wasn't easy. I, was, I mean, I thought that Alabama team was quite good, but yeah, I guess you had Coker yeah. in a quarterback. So yeah, not, not quite a world beater. You had Derrick Henry. At the yeah. peak of his powers. Um, True. No, but you're right. It would have been nice to get that one. I think we do if we had like any one of eight different things go our way in that game. But 
whatever. That's ancient okay. history. So, you know, I'll, I'll, Ben's not here tonight, so I'll just say this for him. Go blue. Cause I know that's, I know he's got his, his Michigan Jersey on They're They're his number two team. So. Yeah. I, I don't think TCU can even come close to beating Georgia. Um, so yeah, I let's see Michigan, give it a shot. See what happens. Yeah. Um, all right, Cody. Yeah. We'll obviously be, be back on to kind of do a more in-depth preview of the orange bowl against Tennessee. Talk about other interesting bowl games coming up, you know, definitely looking forward to bowl season some interesting matchups across the board. We don't need to go into those here, but, um, you know, should be fun. Always a good time. Um, but let's talk about kind of the other big event that's happened. Um, the opening of the transfer portal period where players can officially opt into the portal, start signing letters of intent, and, you know, applying to these schools and transferring officially. Uh, that opened up, I think, on Sunday night, midnight, moving into Monday. Um, on the first day we essentially saw, we saw some announcements come through on Sunday. Some of the guys had already, you know, essentially opted into the portal earlier in the season. I'm looking at Sergio Allen and Dakari Collins for that. Uh, but all in all, as of right now, again, we're recording this Wednesday night, uh, we had nine Clemson players uh, opt into the transfer portal, opt to leave Clemson. Um, Cody, that's on top of, so that's nine guys. That's on top of three medical retirements that Clemson has had since the, since basically spring practice, um, Hunter Rayburn, offensive lineman, Landon Zanders, a safety, and then Mason Trotter, another offensive lineman. You know, that, those were known attrition points for this team moving into next year. Then you've got nine additional underclassmen moving into the portal. Um, I think it has to be the year. Uh, if you look at the numbers, you know, you mentioned 12, there were 11 last year. Uh, we're, we, I think you mentioned it on the show last week, like self-imposed sanctions. Like we're we're at that level. We're we're always flying a little bit under that eighty-five scholarship number. And at this point, I mean, when you talk, when you factor in that kind of attrition, uh, the one-way transfer portal, uh, coupled with the fact, like you might say, well, how do you how do you offset that? Well, it's it is by recruiting, and you do need higher numbers. Uh, you need more freshmen. But the thing about freshmen is a lot of them don't pan out, and others take time to pan out. So we're working from behind big time. So it's not a thing of if we should, uh, you know, it's the thing of like, you can't field a football team next year. Um, at least not a championship team. If, if Dabo doesn't get some, uh, some depth through the portal and the thing, and you also, you know, one other thought, you know, in, in previous years, we made up ground late in recruiting, Look, you can go that route, but it's not, it's not a winning strategy long-term. We hit it big with, and uh, I think it was 2015, maybe with uh, Isaiah Simmons and Trayvon Mullen and Kayvon Wallace. Like that was just, I mean, we three huge hits. That is much more the exception uh, and not, not the rule. So uh, you either have to, you have to do two things. One is the portal and the other is you have to account for some attrition, which is something Dabo hasn't done in the past. So you have to build in that number and it's tough. And I, and I respect Dabo for not running guys off. I, I really admire that about him, but You've got to build in a number again. Like, I don't know, I, you know, it, it doesn't have to be 10, but I think you have to, you know, maybe cut it in the middle and say five account for five. Um, and, and what I mean, do that on the front end. So you can start building relationships with recruits. Um, and, and, and that's going to net you out higher caliber players in the long term than trying to grab someone in the, in the 11th hour. Yeah, Cody. I mean, I, I think from a, I'm not necessarily suggesting Clemson move to a place where they're taking five to 10 portal transfers a year. I think there is a world where Clemson can 
change its high school recruiting strategy only in the sense of the numbers that they take uh, long-term and do what Georgia has done, which is essentially this year, they didn't take any transfers. They also didn't have any leave. Um, they just continue to rock a top three recruiting class out of high school every year and sign a really large class. I think if Clemson goes bigger with its class takes, you know, that gives you more bites of the apple in terms of hit rate on these freshmen. Um, and if Dabo, you know, has his philosophies about, how he wants to build a team culture and he makes promises to, in living rooms, you know, that he doesn't want to go back on and Welch on. Like, I understand that you just can't do that signing 18, 19, 20, 21 man classes. You got to get closer to 30 or you can go, go North of that. If the limitations allow you to, um, to plan for that attrition, as you said, which, you know, it's either going to go to the draft or the portal. You know, that seems to be the two directions that guys leaving the program go. Um, it's going to happen. It's not going to stop. Like it's the direction it's going. So um, I think the easiest way to, for, you know, Clemson to look at the portal is are there those like, you know, freak situations where we just happen to be like threadbare at a position group. Are there guys in the portal or who, guys who could be coaxed into the portal that Dabo and the coaching staff gave an offer to previously, like that, that guy fit the culture 12 months ago, you know, do we, do we feel comfortable bringing him in now kind of thing? That might be the move. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's, again, it's, it's more or less mandatory uh, at this point and really for the next two seasons, because that's just the nature of, again, it's the nature of freshmen. You can start to starting next season, build in a, a larger number to account for some attrition, but when are the, when are the recruits of 2024 going to make an impact at Clemson? You know, that could be four seasons from now. So like at least the next two seasons and maybe longer, you've got to make up for some, some numbers. And, and by the way, like, I don't think the transfer portal is all that it, it's made out to be or the, all that we perceive it as. I think it's going to be tough to find the right guys. And, and you do have some risk with some guys that aren't culture fits and maybe they, they create, uh, they become cancerous within the locker room. I doubt it, but um, you do run, there are some risks there. Um, and, and, you know, there's also NIL stuff that Clemson has to get into in order to to gain their services and how does that, you know, what does that mean for the teammates that they're with? You know, I, you know, there's parts like that you have to consider, but ultimately it's like, you can't, you don't have a choice. You, you're out of options. Um, there's only so many walk-ons you can give a scholarship, but you need actual players that could contribute. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you touched on it earlier. If your goals are, are the playoff and a championship, there's just a degree of depth and depth that is talented you know, you got to recruit, you basically have to have a team that is a 50% plus blue chip ratio. And um, whether that hits in your recruiting class or who you bring it through the portal, either way, um, really got to maintain that. I think that we think Dabo has that as a goal, college football playoff and a national championship still pretty sure. Um, so yeah, we just got to see that kind of manifest itself. And look, the 2023 recruiting class, like Cody, 12 months ago on this show, I was like super scared like with Venables leaving, with Tony Elliott leaving, with the state of the program and kind of where where things were moving, that I felt fine about the 2022 team and roster and talent. But I was like, once some of these defensive dudes leave, you know, that could be it for Clemson and our ride. And since then, we hired Nick Eason, the defensive rec recruits to kind of fill some of these spots that we anticipate opening up either this year or next year like some of these dudes are absolute freaks that I would, I would put right up there with Dexter Lawrence and, you know, Christian Wilkins and those guys we had coming in. Um, hope so. Like Peter Woods, for instance, 
and um, Tamari and Parker, like these guys are, you know, it's not like we're restocking the cupboards entirely, but at least at the high end, it's nice to see some of these five stars choose Clemson, choose this new coaching staff, you know, as it's evolved since Venables left. Um, so I feel a lot better than I did a year ago. I'll tell you that. But, uh, and hopefully we can keep some of these six star veteran guys for next year. Um, so that this year's class, you know, coming into February is a lot more about great. Let's, let's maybe go grab those guys that are going to be like Isaiah Simmons didn't do much his first one or two years. Like, can we take a shot on some of those more like developmental guys that can turn into those five stars on campus? Right. I think, um, yeah, I, I think that's got to be the play. You know, I mentioned you have to go to the transfer portal. You know, we don't have to go through the the, the seniors who have the COVID eligibility or they have uh, a redshirt, see, or the, you know, redshirt eligibility. But there's there's quite a few, um, yeah. and yeah, they're I, a lot I, better than a freshman, <laughs> right? They're, like, they're yeah, they're and they're probably better than a transfer to be honest. I think like Joseph and Gata would be like one of those guys. Uh, Rook yeah. looks like he's gone, but I think he would have a chance. Uh, but yeah, I think the the biggest position not to go down the roster, but I think defensive end in particular just jumps out at me. It's like what you know, we don't want to like start giving our our uh, our takes because it will, you know it'll quickly be a dated show because guys may return. But it, it's Kevin Swint leaves. We don't have a lot of bodies there, and you mentioned we do have some good recruits at defensive end uh, and along the defensive line, but. I, I can't think of the last defensive end that came in that was ready to be, uh, you know, a championship level contributor, I, like Daquan Bowers, maybe, uh, you know, like Farrell wasn't Austin Bryant wasn't. So uh, he had flashes, but right. We really haven't seen him put a full season together. And like everyone talks about, he could come back and take a red shirt this, this season, come back for next season. Um, what confidence do we have that he's going to play 12, 13, 14, 15 games? Like, we haven't seen it. So right. yeah, defensive end for sure. Cody, I, I put that position number one. Yeah. So yeah, a lot to, it'll be an interesting off season. Um, yeah. Dabo. Well, we we, get, we, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, we got to get quacking tiger on the show. Give us the breakdown. Give us, give us yeah. what he's hearing coming yeah. up here. And obviously also break down the 2023 class. Yeah, the interesting thing with with our recruiting, because I don't follow it as closely, I think the NIL, I just kind of lost my taste for it a little bit. But it is true that NIL, NIL collectives work as uh, just as the way I suspected they would. It's pay for play. Um, so one thing I see when I look at Clemson's, the distribution of like their, their recruit recruiting classes, I don't see quite, you mentioned some top end defensive line talent and, and like, yeah, all praise to Nick Eason and, and that hire. Um, you see some of it there, like Peter Woods. Uh, but and you see a good quarterback in Chris Benzina, but you don't see a lot of uh, as many top 50, top 100 recruits as you've seen in years past. And I, again, maybe the Clemson brands just kind of fallen off. Um, it certainly has, but ho- hopefully not that much. But you also wonder it's is like these guys are established top 100 players. Do we not have that right nil you know infrastructure in place to to make sure these guys are compensated? Because most of our players are four star, but they're out of the top 100. So. Again, I'm not complaining, just curious if that is, uh, that's something that's impacting things. And I would love to get QT's take. Yeah, good call. I mean, I think what you have seen is how the administration at Clemson is responding to the era. And you've got, you know, Graham Neff, new um, athletic director on the big board at Clemson two times a game during home games right now, kind of pleading with fans to join the NIL collective, back the team. 
you, know, you got these are people who are spending you know upwards of ten thousand dollars a year on ipte he's passing the hat to all of them so and i don't know the nio collective might be a way for all fans to kind of get involved and kind of help help pad the team and back the team so yeah um it's just a it is a chaotic era cody there's no regulation of this stuff you know i'm sure there's all kinds of tampering of existing guys on existing rosters and definitely of recruits, you know, planning to come in. So, I mean, until I see a guy lace them up next September, like there's no assurances that any of these guys will stick around. Um, I think college football is going to have to examine a couple of things like the early signing period and the opening of the transfer portal. What this is going to do to bowl bowl game rosters on these teams is going to be pretty devastating. And it, on some level, I understand, like, who kind of cares about these exhibition bowl games anyway? I Like, it's not that big of a deal. I think player agency, players being able to move around does make sense, get compensated, like, all that. I just think we probably need to move more in a direction of professionalizing this sport, I'm sad to say. It's just, this right now seems like a crazy half measure that, you know, is not, is in no way organized or formalized and it's going to lend itself to number one, a lot of players, I think getting, getting hurt, trying to chase a bag. Maybe they're promised that bag. And then they, they find another guy to give it to. And these guys have already opted out of a nice scholarship situation. Um, there's going to be a, like hundreds, if not more stories of, of bad situations, but I can't blame guys, you know, wanting to go and chase, you know, with what's in their best interest. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like pro more government here, I guess, Cody, I just think it's, uh, you know, it's 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 completely chaotic in the free market right now. Yeah, and I guess my whole argument along those lines was it didn't have to be this chaotic. We just kind of broke the dam at the very uh, after the water had accumulated so high that uh, we're dealing with a lot of chaos that you could have you could have taken it in increments. And what's crazy, Larry Williams has written some really good articles on Tiger Illustrated just about how the the portal while giving players more autonomy, more choice, more freedom um, by all account, like it's the, it was the right thing to do, but it's actually not benefiting the players by and large, it, which is, which is just so strange, but it, like it, it's true because a lot of guys aren't, they go to the portal. That's effectively them leaving college football. Cause a lot of guys aren't going to get picked up. And then others um, don't, you know, don't get like, they completely deprioritize the college education um, a lot of them don't, the transfer credits don't, or they, they don't get the credits transferred. So they, it's actually not benefiting college football players. So like Dabo, when I know it's so, everyone at Clemson knows Dabo's has a good heart and he's not, it's not about the money for him. Um, but like a lot of people see him as the evil villain that just has like, you know, it, it, free players under him. But he really does believe in the the student athlete. Like, and he, like he had that experience and he believes in it. There, there actually was, was and is something to that. And like I, those days, those days are gone. And I don't think that it can ever be recaptured because it is, it has to move towards professionalizing. Um, there's it's, and by the way, why not give five years of eligibility and just get rid of the red shirt? That's it's silly at this point, five years. And, and for the, and for the go-getters, they can get a graduate degree in that time. Yeah. I'm down for that. I mean, yeah. I don't really see like, what do you want to do? Have guys, who play five years break some records that don't really matter anyway. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think that'd be fine. Um, anyway, I mean, yeah, a lot of this is happening in real time. It's going to be interesting to see where Clemson stacks into the mix. On the one hand, we do not have a very deep 
alumni base compared to a lot of the teams that I think we compete against for recruits, for national attention, you know, for clout. So Clemson's at somewhat of a disadvantage, both through, you know, the number of alumni and fans that can pump money into our system and our infrastructure. Our league conference is not doing very much good to help us relative to our competitive peer set either. So this is a situation where, yeah, I think Dabo is going to do things his way and Clemson's unique way where culture matters the most. I think that's something that can help us weather some of the storm a little bit. Um, I would like to see us remain competitive, though, in, in certain aspects and being opportunistic in the portal has to be part of that. I think so. Uh, yeah. At one point we were innovating at a time when like minimal innovation was sufficient. And that was like 2012. And now it's like you needed to evolve 30 years in, in normal co college uh, football times just in the last three seasons. Um, so like Dabo and a lot of it's antithetical to like his philosophy. And, and a lot, again, a lot of what he does is very noble. So, uh, but he's got to change. He, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to do everything different. And, uh, but he, he does, I think, have to, has to supplement with some 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 of the uh, portal, some transfers. Yeah, and Cody, I, I think I'm going to take this opportunity to maybe address kind of where Dabo is. I think what's maybe been lacking from this program for the last one to two years is Dabo having sort of a mentor kind of on staff or close to the program on campus. I'm not saying we're seeing that manifest in like problems with Dabo necessarily. Um, you had Thad Turnipseed, you know, you had Dan Radakovich, um, you had even Terry Bowden was on staff for a couple of seasons before he went off to ULM. Um, and, you know, obviously Dabo really respected Bobby Bowden. That was like a continuation. He was hired under Tommy. So um, I just think he, you know, for his first maybe decade or so at Clemson, he always seemed to have this kind of, you know, mentor, elder figure around and close to the program. It may be that he does have someone, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of ignorant to that, but um, I think this is a moment where, where, you know, is there someone that we could bring into Dabo staff, maybe like David Cutcliffe or somebody else, you know, I, I'd be interested in something like that. Or, you know, we talk about the offensive coordinator position. Like, is there an opportunity for him to hire someone similar to how he kind of had Chad Morris come in and Chad Morris seemed to have, a decent amount of autonomy when he got to Clemson, you know, maybe there's a, maybe he makes a hire that will allow Clemson to get into the portal era. I mean, I think Dabo is going to protect the culture and the identity of Clemson above all else, but I, I don't know. I think that it, I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying like, that is a direction where this could go. I, yeah. I mean, I think I, I like the idea of the, like the elder statesman or like a voice of, of reason, some kind of a, you know, checks and balances uh, because right. these guys that you hire right. from within, I just don't see Wes Goodwin going to Dabo yelling at him because, Hey, I don't see it this way. I bet Venables right. had that conversation like once and, and Dabo's like, okay, I'll stand down and you do the you. But uh, the point being like, there needs to be some friction, but, uh, right. and I, I'm, I'm just not seeing, I'm, I can't imagine Streeter yelling at Dabo. He probably says yes to, to whatever Dabo wants. Uh, so yeah. you got to have that that guy. And by the way, Danny Pierman, uh, as the leader of the, like, it's kind of a, a shady business right now. You got to have some like movers and shakers in the in the transfer. Like, it's it's tampering essentially. It's we we need someone who's willing to get his hands dirty a little bit. I don't know if Danny Pierman is or is not that guy. Look, he could I'd like to see Jeff. I'd like to see Jeff Scott in that seat, Cody. If uh, yeah, I, I think he. Something. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, 
he's shady at all, Jeff Scott, but he is a hard worker. He knows he knows about talent acquisition. That's for darn sure. Uh, yeah, well, the guy can hustle and recruit Florida. And the, let's set aside his days at USF. Like, look who he brought in at Clemson's. Yeah. Like, Sammy Watkins. All right, good enough for me. You might get Sammy Watkins. What is it? His cousin? Nephew? Something like that. He's in, he's in our recruiting class target list right now. Yeah. Stay tuned. But yeah, well, Danny Pierman is not that guy, though. I mean, he couldn't recruit tight ends and offensive linemen at Clemson during our um, our glory days. So I, I don't, I just don't have a lot of hope that uh, in him and getting the, the top talent because again, a lot of it yeah. is well, what I'd like back to channeling. Like, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. I, the, the other role I'd like to see sort of that elder come in and play is like I want them to be the final interview for any coaching staff position, like to then be able to go to Dabo and be like, look, I don't think X, Y, Z guy, great, great human being, great person, you know, meant a lot to this program in in the time, but this isn't, this isn't quite fit with other pieces here. You know, I'd love to have kind of a voice of, you know, kind of contention, if if you will, not just to have it, but like someone who's been there and seen a lot of championship level programs happen. Um, David Cloudcliffe was in Tennessee under the former Peyton Manning era. And yeah. an Addy. I, and, and like Jeff Scott's not that the exact guy you're describing, but I would sure. love for him to come back, even if it's just for, uh, hey, to give us a year or two just to, to come in and, and like have him be the co-offensive coordinator where he's not he's not the actual play caller, but he helps in like what he did with Elliot, where he's like helping in in scheme and, and game planning help, uh, you know, revive some of the recruiting that's kind of fallen off for reasons, again, could be related to NIL. Uh, maybe it's like re- reasons related to like Grisham not being a good recruiter because like wide receiver recruiting, has, like a lot of gripes on, on uh, wide receiver coaching. I, I don't, I don't have, I don't put much stock in it, but I do put some stock in like recruiting kind of falling behind a little bit at the receiver position. Talent wise, you mean talent wise. Right? Yes. Like, yeah. Influx of talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like, look, everyone wants to be like, Oh, Antonio Williams and Adam Randall sure seem good guys. And it's like, those are in-state dudes. I would hope we could snag those guys, regardless of star rating. You know that we need to put a fence up around state. So let's go back into Florida and grab some receivers. Yeah, give me a T. Higgins or Sammy Watkins, and I'll be like, okay. And not every class, just like every other year. Like, give me a T. Higgins or yeah. Sammy Watkins. Yeah, yeah. He'd be the he'd be the expedient pick for me to find a spot on on this staff for him. And who knows what he wants to do? He might want to take a year off, be a dad you know, reevaluate his football, really what he wants to do long-term. I think like the, we know he could slot into Clemson. Like we know he would make an impact right away. Short learning curve for him. There's any number of roles on the team that I think he can make an impact in, whether it's really being involved day-to-day in the offense or maybe being more focused on recruiting and just like, you know, the admin of the team. So yeah, plus one to Jeff Scott. Yeah. But yeah, it, but you know, probably can tie a bow on it. But you mentioned some yeah. some really good candidates, and it doesn't have to be. It could be, like you said, an older coach. It's kind of like just to give like a different voice, I mean, and like you said, to kind Cody, of yeah. What about, Mac, what about Mac Brown? He he was on the short list, but he just removed himself after. <laughs> he just, <Drew> Sweet. <laughs> I don't know that that two point conversion was worth uh, worth pissing him off, but no, right. totally. I mean, I, I was dead serious about Mac Brown coming in and being like close to the program, a Dabo mentor ongoing would be cool. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I know you're the head coach at North Carolina, um, but that's kind of a shitty job. Would you want to be like a administrator here at Clemson? 
Right. I don't know who they play in the bowl game, but right <laughs> off into the sunset after that, like you don't want to deal with these kids with their TikTok. Come on. Right. Come on. You don't even know what to come on. You don't know what that is. Yeah. Now there's, there's a lot of guys out there that he could hire and he could handpick them. And one thing we forget when we talk, think about hiring from outside, you don't have to take risks anymore at Clemson when it comes to hiring, because you have, you have a lot to sell. Um, you know, Chad Morris was a risk at the time and Brent Venables wasn't the coach of the year that he was at the time. You don't have those risks. You can not, you can hire anyone you want. You have the the money. Like, why not? Yeah. It'd be nice to see some type of swing and, Look, Cody, let's hit this in a future episode, but I think on the defensive side, you know, we're, we'll do this when we recap this season. I'd really like to see a, a further infusion of coaching talent on that side of the ball too, an experienced talent. Agreed. I think, I think when you're, when you're measuring year over year, you know, Brandon Streeter got a lot of credit or a lot of uh, flack for not, imp- for actually improving year over year. Whereas uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the defense next year. And I think that's how you should be kind of judged is, are we seeing progress? Yeah. Um, agreed. And, yeah. And I think you, you almost can't <clears throat> almost like we, we can't pass a judgment on West Goodwin yet. Cause he truly hasn't been in this kind of role yet. Streeter, very influential in the offense. A lot of his assistants, very influential in the offense, even under Tony Elliott. So I mean, you could say um, the same for Wes Goodwin. Like he was the right hand man of Venables, as they said. Yeah. So the story. Yeah, goes. that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see see what progress looks like. I mean, I think the bowl game is going to be telling for both coordinators. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. One thing I'll say, I do wish that we were playing a bowl bowl game opponent that would have had a, a little bit more of a strong defense as their profile, just to see like how legit this new look offense under Cade looks. Tennessee is better than North Carolina's D, so we can at least get a little bit of, of, of a glimpse. I'm, I say save the, the the defensive test for next year. We need like a program, put it on a poster. Clemson's back, baby. Next year we're we're coming for the playoff. Like I, right. we need we need that kind I'll of program building yeah. win right yeah, that's now. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. As good as Saturday felt and as shitty as last year and a half felt, I'm down. I'm down with that for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, Cody, let's wrap it up there, man. Good discussion as always. Um, great to break down the game. A little bit of the bowl matchup, situation with the team, with roster management. Um, signing day is coming up. That'll happen. That'll end before the bowl game. Um, so we'll get Quacking Tiger on, probably get a little bit of a recap, look ahead at the class, re- look ahead at the bowl game. So um, stay tuned for that, everybody. Thanks as always for tuning in. Really appreciate everybody. You know, we, uh, we we love doing this. We hope you guys have fun listening. Um, we're going to come back with a bunch of shows here coming up. You know where to find us, uh, Twitter, Facebook, your favorite podcasting app. And Cody, you've been doing a great job this year, cutting up some video of our recordings, putting that out on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Clemson Podcast. Thanks for doing that. Everybody go subscribe, like, follow us, watch our videos. I recommend watching it like 1.25x. We sound a lot better when it's sped up. That's true of the audio too. I don't know what our optimal speed is. I would be like, yeah, leave a comment on uh, how fast you need to speed us up for it to be bearable. Yeah. Enjoyable. Exactly. Sounds good. All right, well, let's wrap it there, Cody. Thanks again, everyone. And as always, go Tigers. Go Tigers.